We'll be um, finishing up Romans 13 this morning and verses 11 through 14. It's interesting that Paul spends a chapter in Romans on obeying the government uh, and ends his time in government on light and darkness, day and night. It has definitely been a timely bit of scripture as many of our political figures see, seem to want to keep the light off of the truth. Although they are not as vocal about it, the attack is primarily the scriptures. As we know, the Bible throws light on that which is dark and that which is evil. Our passage this morning is timely as our tendency is to fight evil in flesh. It arouses our emotions and we want to get in there and fight and do what we think is right. Our father, through Paul, however, tells us that this is not the way his children are to conduct themselves like children of the dark. He desires his children to wake up to the light of the truth and reflect the light that he is. We think about it, most movies, especially science fiction or the dark side of life, have based, been based on something from the Bible, sometimes true, often perverted. This is brought to mind as we look at today's scripture, day and night, light and darkness, scary science fiction, evil is mostly done at night. The dark is where the most scary things happen. We often grow up afraid of the dark for good reasons. Many animals hunt at night. Criminals are more active at night. It is interesting that in Western movies, however, that uh, the good cowboys wore white back in the old days while the bad ones wore black hats. White standing for light and good, while black standing for darkness and evil. Uh, the Lone Ranger wore all white except for his mask. Ever wonder how in the world he kept his uh, suit so white, <laughs> riding a horse and doing all the uh, curriculum that he did, all the activity? But he hid his identity behind a black mask, which always made people suspicious. He's hiding, and it's a black mask. Night is often scary because we can't see what might be out there. Uh, one time my mom sent me up to the neighbors to borrow something she needed for supper. Or, or no, it couldn't have been supper because it was dark out. And uh, we didn't have a flashlight. And, uh, you know, there's roads and driveways to follow. But uh, went up there pitch dark through a swamp, through the woods. Our neighbors lived in the woods. And I got what I went after, and on the way home, I knew there was something out there, and I knew it was after me, and I took off running. And the more I ran, the faster I ran, because of the more afraid I got. And anyway, I learned not to do that anymore, because it didn't do any good at all. Got me home a little quicker, but that's about it. Even as adults, we can be afraid of the dark. 
we lived in North Florida for a time, and right behind the house that we lived in, it was a rural area, was a swamp that come right out of a science fiction movie. I mean, I, they, they could have filmed them there easy. Large oak trees, Spanish moss hanging down, uh, moonshiners that had stills back there, and it was spooky in the daytime. And my brother and I, he was there, and he, we liked to fish, and we learned that fishing is better at night. So we went down the river, and we have a little 10-foot aluminum boat, flat-bottom boat, and up the river we went uh, quite a ways, hung our lantern out on a tree limb, and again, the same thing, you know, these trees and Spanish moss hanging down over the river we're in. It's not a real big river. Neither one of us said anything, but both of us are thinking, what in the world possessed us to be out here? And we didn't stay very long with the excuse that fish weren't biting. I don't think we give them much time to bite, but uh, anyway. It's interesting that the godless countries fought or fight mostly at night. The Japanese in World War II, they, most of their attacks were in the night. Uh, the communists in Korea, same thing, in the night. And the communists in Vietnam, same thing. They did most of their fighting at night. Our fear in Vietnam was always being infiltrated in, at night. Um, one time, uh, the doorway of a tent I was in darkened, and I was sleeping. Okay, this is always on your mind, you know, that though there was concert barbed wire all around our base and everything, and guards and stuff like that, uh, they could still infiltrate, and later after I was gone, they did. But anyway, the, the door darkened, and it woke me up instantly. And uh, thankfully, it was just another soldier that wanted to kill the crane operator on the other end of the tent, so uh, I didn't have anything to fear. Um, by the way, I, I, I told you before that I think I've always been a counselor. I talked him out of it. Um, and uh, Redden was the name, didn't get harmed that night. Mostly I used, you don't need to go to jail for the rest of your life for killing somebody you're just mad at. So but for many years after Vietnam, I had nightmares and it was always the Viet Cong shadows slipping through the night coming after me. And of course, in your dream, it's after me personally, not your, <laughs> the whole army or anything. We don't like... Uh, the night. And many I know have suffered worse than that. And uh, some things men have, and women have gone through in the, in the night in war is beyond how they could live through it. But what makes that unpleasant feeling that comes with the dark, especially without Christ in your life? We understand the physical dangers that we can't see in the dark, but there's more to it than that. If God is light, and he is, then whatever is of the dark is not of him. Have you ever thought that when we are home with him, there will be no more dark? No more dark. Something we, another thing that we, it's hard to imagine right now, but no, there will be no darkness in heaven. <clears throat> the dark is also a time for sleeping, but 
Paul is telling us that we are to wake up. Wake up. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. It's time to rise and shine, Paul's saying. An interesting morning greeting that many of us have heard and probably have used as well. And I know I heard it a lot, but I never knew it was biblical, but it certainly is. Rise and shine. <clears throat> we are children of light. And this is very important. Again, uh, it's a part of renewing our minds. We need to look at ourselves as who we are in Jesus Christ. And we're children of light. First Thessalonians 5, um, beginning in verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when, you say, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not of darkness, not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons or children of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. I was always encouraging and encouraging uh, those he wrote to and uh, our Lord to, to us through Paul of uh, our hope and, again, who we are and how important it is for us to know who we are. Paul's saying we're no longer living in the dark. We're children of light and day, not of darkness or night. We're to wake up to the fact that the sun has brought the light into our lives. So very important. And sleep, of course, is a metaphor for a life of moral carelessness and laxity. All right? Sleep is a metaphor for a life of moral carelessness and laxity. Okay, we go through life and, okay, I'm saved and that's good enough. I'm just going to do what I want and what I feel like, and of course, that usually slips us right back into darkness. Not lost, but a victoryless life, if you will. Salvation, for now our salvation is nearer than, we, nearer than when we first believed, is viewed as a future reality here, and it draws nearer every day. Every day we get closer to the rapture or being taken home. <clears throat> we look forward to that in the redemption of our bodies. All right, uh, this is uh, 
obviously very um, uppermost on our minds as we think of all the pain and suffering that Brenda Herther has gone through and uh, now with the Lord and that's over with and uh, there's that uh, only in the Lord where there's the sorrow of the loss but the joy of mom grandma no longer experience the pain and the suffering that this life has to offer um, but only joy and peace and no more pain or tears in the Lord. But we look forward to that, that uh, the redemption of our bodies. Romans 8, 28, 23, excuse me. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And that comes with the rapture. A body like Jesus Christ, a body like his, where, again, um, we see this in, in movies and things like that, where somebody can think themselves into another place. Well, Christ can, and we are going to be able to do that as well. Interesting, isn't it? That, uh, again, something we can't imagine now, but uh, a body like his. <clears throat> but salvation also entails sanctification sanctification, which is actually a lot of the context here. The nearness of the end summons Christians to put off all evil works and to live in the light. One commentator writes, a Christian wears the armor of light, not the deeds of darkness. He has no reason to get involved in the sinful pleasures of the world. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But we've slept long enough. It's time to wake up and live the life God gave us. My ministry for over 30 years has been of helping people to see the light, the light especially of who they are in Christ, what his finished work accomplished. Uh, not that we were just given a home in heaven, which is, of course, uh, the, the desire of all of us, but we've been given his light and his life uh, and, and that victorious life where uh, it's one of peace and joy and rest while we're here. And uh, how precious that is. It's important for us to remember that we're at war with not the government, but the powers of darkness. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. In salvation, God has brought us out of the darkness of the devil's domain and into the light of his truth. And how important, again, that is for us to be reminded of. Um, 31 years I lived in darkness, and uh, it's a horrible place to be. You learn to manipulate your way through life, to cope and uh, get by. Uh, different ones of us, different situations, handle it differently. Um, my attitude was one of horrible, and I don't care about anything. And uh, I had it abbreviated down to two words, one of them not repeatable. But that was my life, and that's all there was, that's all I had. And it's a horrible place to be. But he's brought us out of that those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. 
We're going to look now at, at grace words. And you read Paul's writings, you want to watch how carefully he uses words, and he always does, obviously, but when it comes to the grace of God we're living in, it's interesting and it's sad how many sermons, how much teaching are not really grace words, but of trying to get people to do for God. And that's not what he tells us. He has a work for us, but he isn't, it isn't a work that, uh, what, is outside of what he's called us to. He uses grace words in Scripture. And uh, if we look at Ephesians 4, and Ephesians chapter 4 is big on these grace words. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, we're to put off and put on. Put off the works of the flesh. Quit wandering around in the dark as we did when we were lost. Cast off the works of darkness. Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Darkness, as one commentator writes, is my own point of view, my prejudices and preconceived determinations. It's what I believe, what I think in and of myself without God in the picture. And too often we carry and continue to carry this on into our Christianity and sometimes even to the Lord takes us home. And we're to put on, put on what? The light that protects us from dark darkness. Notice the words, armor of light, armor of light. Interesting. We're living in a world filled with people living in the dark, but Paul says the armor we're to put on in Ephesians 6 is one of light, of light. The new man, Ephesians 4.24, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is moving towards verse 14 and putting on the light that is Jesus Christ. And then another grace term, let us walk. Let us walk properly as in the day. We stumble through the dark in fear of what is out there, animals, snakes, people of the dark. In the spiritual realm, walking in the dark is still being part of the night life. Walking properly is walking, believing the truth, knowing the Lord is at hand, and we have nothing to fear. You probably noticed this morning that everyone here seems to have put off their jammies and put on their Sunday go-to-meeting clothes and walked into the church building. Probably didn't give much thought to any of it except for, what am I going to wear today? (laughs) 
It's all natural. It's all something, again, we don't think about. Except what we're going to wear, which is very important, isn't it? See, those are the words, those are grace words, put off, put on. And we do that and walk. And we do that without even thinking. We do it by what? Believing, by renewing our mind. That's how it takes place. That's how it takes place. It's not a work. It's not some good intentioned or not so good intentioned pastor or leader telling you what you should be doing. No, that's God's job. We're to renew our minds and allow him to do the work in and through our lives that takes us out of darkness and walking in the light. Again, Paul's exhorting us to take that this takes place by renewing in the by being renewed in the spirit of our mind. It is faith. It is by believing. All right. Next, we are to clean up. <clears throat> clean up. Verse thirteen in Romans. Uh, Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and in, in, in envy. Paul gives a, a picture of walking in the dark in verse 13. We see that everything is magnified in the dark in our society. Revelry, drunkenness, lewdness, lusts, and even with it in the church, strife and envy. These all come out in a person walking in the dark. They are things not fitting to those who belong in the light who are in the light. Sins of addiction and drinking and partying, revelry, which is what revelry and drunkenness. We're living in a society that all seems to be on people's mind. And uh, again, the the drug addiction and 100,000 people dying of fentanyl poisoning in a year's time. You know, again, why? Because that's what's there. That was a... <clears throat> that's out there and it's so blatant and many of you thankfully have never never been there, never done that, never been involved. Uh, I'd like to be able to say that, but it wouldn't be true. Um, it's so important there is no freedom in darkness. Johnny Cash put it very, uh, said it real well in his song, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head that didn't hurt. Been there, been there lots of times. There's no freedom in that, folks. And then stumbled to the closet and found my cleanest dirty shirt. (laughs) Without the Lord, you know, everything we know we have is dirty. They're dirty. We needed to be cleansed and... uh, and he also said in that song, there's something about a Sunday that makes a body feel alone. Something about a Sunday. And when you're lost, that's so true. You know, we, the church has chosen Sunday to worship and set aside for the Lord. And, and uh, without the Lord, there's something, there's something missing here. There's something that makes me feel even more lonely than ever. And again, I can relate to all of these things. Sexual sins, not in lewdness and lust. Again, just seemed like everything. How can you turn from it without this there? 
in all kinds of perverted ways that's beyond belief. Uh, when I was a kid, as a lost person, nothing was like this was out there. You had to be in pretty low company to hear anything, and how many words I never heard until I was a teenager, and some not till I, even I left home and got into the military. But today, that's it. Turn on the TV, and uh, that's all that's on people's minds. And social sins, not in strife and envy. And this, unfortunately, again, is why Paul had to bring this out. Uh, this is what has caused so much damage in the church over the past uh, centuries is uh, strife and envy. We don't get beyond, uh, we don't renew our minds in a sense that uh, to the point that we don't need to envy anybody. We don't need to start fights or, or cause quarrels and arguments. And so much of this, uh, again, has destroyed people, has destroyed leaders, has destroyed churches because of strife and envy. Um, I envy uh, that man standing up there preaching because he has a public format, and therefore, though they may not think it directly, I need to destroy him. I need to find his faults and find out what's wrong. And uh, as a lost man, I was an expert at finding the faults in others. Uh, I honed it down to a science so that I could always, it was the only way I could feel better about myself is to find fault with others. And too often that has come into the church and destroyed the church, uh, again, through the lack of renewing our mind. And third, uh, we need to grow up. Verse 14 of our passage, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it's lust. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on, again, grace words. Again, how many struggled and fought and tried hard to get dressed this morning? Uh, if you're uh, physically handicapped, you may have had to. Uh, but for most of us, again, it's a natural, easy thing to do. One commentator writes here, To put on the Lord Jesus Christ means to become more like him to receive by faith all that he is for our daily living. We grow on the basis of the food we eat. This is why God warns us not to make provisions for the flesh. If we feed the flesh, we will fail. But if we feed the inner man, the nourishing things of the spirit, we will succeed. So again, not a work, but believing and allowing the light to shine first in our hearts. Ephesians 17, 21, another passage that I have so enjoyed and as I'm uh, growing the Lord, that the God, in Paul's prayer here, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It doesn't just say knowledge or knowledge of scripture, it says knowledge of him. That needs to always be our mind, our heart set as we study the word of God. What is this telling us about our Lord? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Enlightened. Out of the dark and into the lightness, the, the light of our God. 
of our precious, wonderful God. And we be enlightened in the knowledge of him that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Enlightened, that's what we always need, is to be enlightened in the knowledge of our Lord. In verse 14, Paul could have said, put on the light as the Lord Jesus Christ is the light. His virtues, his Peace, joy, confidence in God, humility, love, long-suffering. These are the things that become part of our lives as we know more and more our, our Father, our God, and uh, how he is and what our relationship is and that perfection that we have in him as his children in grace. By putting on his righteousness or allowing his light to shine forth, we are making no provision for the flesh as Christ never did. In closing our chapter, in why we read the whole thing, Paul is basically saying a Christian citizen ought to be the best citizen. Christians may not always agree on politics or parties, but they can all agree on their attitude towards human government. And I'll close with reading where we started in Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that are exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to ex execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Some of those things in that passage don't add up today, do they? And yet, God says you're to do what I've called you to do. Live in the light. Come out of the darkness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the light and conduct yourself in a way that makes a difference with, regardless of what other people are doing. What a wonderful God that we have. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for our time together. Thank you, Father, for what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ, at the cross and uh, uh, the, forget, the complete forgiveness of our sins and life in you. You've made us children of light. And how we praise you for that and thank you for that. And Father, again, we thank you that it is a matter of believing. Do we truly believe what the word says? Do we truly believe 
who we are in Jesus Christ and what we have. Father, more and more, where we, may we desire uh, to put on Christ, to live in the light that others might see the reality of you in us. And we just thank you, Father, as we praise you in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen.